This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again in studio with Jim's, Pastor Jim Sebastio, pastor of the Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville and the distinguished president of Practical Shepherding. Jim, thanks for coming back with me. Uh, happy to be able to get back with you again, Brian. It was like it was just a few moments ago when we it recorded. It seems, and it even seems like the studio is my office. <laughs> Almost, it yeah. does feel that. Stu- yeah, you can just feel like you can start working as soon as I leave here. I, I would feel that way, but being in studio, I realize I'll have to go somewhere else. Like that's true. That's true. Well, so we want to talk about a topic that I know that a lot of pastors are wrestling with, especially in the Reformed camp. Uh, of pastors and so, among Baptists and among Baptists. So if you're say, not a if you if you are if listening you're a to this, Baptist, you, this is not a, a, a you're not going to wrestle with what we are. Well, they may, they'll wrestle with it. I think just in a different way. So we welcome you, Pado Baptists, listening to this. I think this will be there will be something helpful for you on this. But because this affects Baptists in particular, we want to talk about chi- children being converted and how to think through the issue of how to determine whether a child uh, is, has turned to Christ, their life has been changed by the gospel, and they're walking with Jesus. And, of course, Pado-Baptists have a, a, di- a little bit of a different understanding on how that affects baptism. But I would say that all of us ultimately want to evaluate this well and to know whether someone's truly following Jesus or not as they get right. older. And that's what we're talking yes. about, right? So maybe for our Pado-Baptist friends uh, who hold to Communicant, non-communicant membership. Uh, when do you make a determination right. to bring somebody on into the fuller membership and, and recognition of of personal commitment uh, to Christ? Right. So let me be clear on when we're we're talking. We're talking as two Baptists, and I'm I pastor Southern Baptist Church, and um, you're in Reformed Baptist Church here. But one of the things that Baptists have to constantly deal with and try to sort through is children who grow up in the church, Mm -hmm. oftentimes. Parents are trying to sort through, you know, are they seeing the fruits of conversion in this child's life? How do you determine that? And obviously, as Baptists, the way that affects us is if we feel that a child or anyone, for that matter, has been converted and turned to Christ, that that, that public display of 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 the testimony of their faith is baptism in front of in front of the church, right? So, with we take a little different approach, obviously, than our our Pado Baptist brothers, in that we don't consider children members or Christians by just growing up in the church and in these homes. They have to make their own profession of faith, and it's at that point that we, as a church, would respond on where they be baptized and how to, whether they become a member of the church. And so that's the topic that we want to address. Now, Jim, you, you've been pastor a long time. You've pastored long enough, 27 years here, you've pastored long enough to watch children be born and not even just be converted and turned to Christ. You have also like married these people to others and things. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm holding the babies of the babies I once held, yeah. So that's one of the blessings, again, of a long-term ministry. Indeed it is. So how... How have you approached through the years, Jim? Um, and I can ask this both because you have children who follow follow the Lord, right? And you had to wrestle through that as a parent, right? And then you had to wrestle through it as a pastor for, for all these years. Can you give just a couple of things that you try to watch for and think about in in watching kids in the church, helping parents think through this? Sure, maybe just give a quick history yeah. here, and it's a personal and theological journey in in some ways, and maybe one I'm still on in certain ways. Mm-hmm. In, in certain regards. So um, 
I I came to faith in a Southern Baptist context, and in that context, it's very common for them to baptize. When I say children, I mean, you know, four or five years old. As soon as they make a a decision, um, and you know, which is I think in some ways different than saying a what we mean by a profession or a valid profession of faith. Yep. And so you have some of the silliness that's accompanied that, and some of the tragedies I think that have accompanied that. So, sure. for instance, you, you have the you know the the famous situation of the one church where there's the fire engine baptistry, and the kid goes into it, and they shoot off a confetti cannon yep. to celebrate. Or we've seen the videos on YouTube of a, a kid doing a cannonball into the baptistry, uh, and everybody laughing as though it's all just a, a great big joke, mm-hmm. and. and um, so I grew up, I didn't grow up, but I, you know, by the time I was in my mid-teens on, that's kind of what I, I was used to seeing. And then, you, then you'd sometimes see that same kid baptized again at 7, at 10, at 12, at 15. Summer camp as a teenager. Yeah, because then yeah. they, you know, threw the pine cone in the fire, and this time really meant it that they're going to follow Jesus and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then, and then here they are again, I think I should get baptized. So baptism becomes a symbol of rededication rather than a celebration of salvation. Right. Uh, so that we are celebrating the work of God in somebody's life. All right. So I, I move from that into a a more of a confessional Reformed Baptist uh, setting in which it became, it's, it's mo- more common to have uh, baptism and church membership together. Right. And generally viewed at, and where you say a mature profession of faith tested over time, and so in many cases it it was stated we will not baptize you until you're 18 years old. Right. Okay. So that's kind of what I then came into, uh, and I know there are some very prominent men who make some very excellent cases for that, and I believe that's the Pastor Devers conviction there at Capitol Hill. It is. And you you interned there. No, I, I mean, I didn't, but heavily influenced by Mark okay. as part of my influence there. Okay, so both of us have had some of that influence from different folk uh, in our in our lives. When I came to pastor here, I, I started wrestling with the reality that I was seeing some young people, and when I say young people, I'm talking about 14, 15, 16, tell me that they believe that God had done a saving work in them they wanted to let everyone know that, you know, because mm-hmm. the fact that they're there unbaptized means there's a question mark in, in many people's minds. Are right. they, are they, why aren't they, why don't they participate in the Lord's Supper? Why aren't they, you know, and to simply say, well, the elders won't let me, you know, I, I wrestled with some of that. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so, and I don't mean to put down anybody in this. All of us are going to come out usually with some kind of a, a standard that's going to sound arbitrary. So for us, I'll, I'll skip to the the end of where we're at, and that's you know that we don't consider a candidate for baptism and church membership until they're in their teenage years. Okay, and, and is that arbitrary? Yes, somewhat. Do you have to eventually make a decision? Yes, and you try to be consistent about that decision, and you have your rationale behind it. But somebody could say, well, what's the difference between being 12 and a half years old and being 13 years old or right. like and I was going to say being 17 and a half 
and 18 or, right. or 17 years and three quarters, you know, um, and you say, no, no, we have to wait till well, you can, you it, can it, vote, but it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't change maybe what, whether you yeah, get converted or you know, not. So, so yeah, you, you, anyway, you wrestle through some of these, these issues. So what we did for a time is we allowed somebody that we believed had a valid profession of faith to be baptized and to take the Lord's Supper, but they did not become members of the church. Hmm. The way I've seen some others handle it is they said, we will allow a younger person to be baptized, and then they have a two-tier membership, Hmm. kind of of voting and non-voting members that can be disciplined and can't be disciplined. Uh And so I I, I never felt comfortable with that. And then I also began to recognize that there is as I understand in the scriptures, a close correlation between baptism and, and church membership. Yeah, as we do. They too. gladly heard the word, they were baptized, and that day were added to them 3,000, right. you know, for instance, so in Acts 2. Uh, and so I thought, no, we either need to, to you know, wait, you know, so we said, why did we wait till they were older? Well, we felt there was responsibilities, privileges, liabilities, responsibilities of church membership. So for me, the question became, when, when can someone take on those privileges, responsibilities, and liabilities? Because I believe if you're going to be baptized and you're going to join the church, you are a member of the church. Yeah. And so if you're 15 and you're a member of the church, that means you sit in on the discipline meetings. It means you participate in voting when, when, when right. needed or necessary. Right. Um, you serve in the church. You do all the things that that other members do. So I had to ask, all right, if, if baptism and church membership go together, if there's no two-tiered church membership, if church membership is significant, when can somebody take on, do I believe a five-year-old has the capacity to, you know, discuss, you know, who should be an elder, a deacon, whether this is a discipline case and what kind of discipline case, yeah. et cetera. I don't think so. An eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, No. A 14-year-old, a 15-year-old, I think the case can be made in, in a case-by-case determination. Yeah, certain ones could. Yeah. And so sometimes we might have a 17-year-old that we think is too immature, yeah. but a 14-year-old that we think is mature enough to handle those privileges, liabilities, and responsibilities of church membership. You know, my, I have a, a two layers of baggage on this issue for me, and it is... Um, one, I spent eight and a half years uh, serving in churches that r- really fit the the context of the description of the that kind of typical Southern Baptist church of the the fire engine, and not maybe that 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 far to the extreme. Right. But uh, all all it took to be baptized was just a child making a decision of some kind. Right. There was really no kind of evaluation or vetting process that went through. Right. And it didn't matter to the age of the child. And I watched a lot of kids be baptized. I just really didn't feel right about. Right. And of course I go pastor a church that, that then to some degree, the dysfunction within the church came out of you know, 30 years ago, this, a church that baptized children that didn't evaluate at 